This is the Fenway Rundown, the premier podcast for all things Boston Red Sox. You know, people harp on the last place thing, but essentially what's important is the record. If the Red Sox want people to start thinking the ownership cares, then maybe they should talk. This is the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live. Here are your hosts, Chris Cotillo and Sean McAdam. feel like I'm back in the comfort zone announcing that we're going to begin a Tuesday episode of the Fenway Rundown because that is what we do most often. Day two from the winter meetings here in Nashville and um, still nothing going on. But we decided we're going to pod every day that we're here, at least for the first three, um, and actually discuss uh, what the Red Sox are doing, what they're not doing, what the rumors are. I'm Chris Cotillo, Sean McAdam alongside, as always, quiet day, but... We've been active both on the site, on Twitter, doing a pod, and on our insider text program that Sean will, as always, tell you about. Yeah, Chris, we're having a good time because it's a busy time of year, or at least it's soon going to be. As you noted, not a whole lot of activity yet, but now is a great time to join the Red Sox insider text program. It's an opportunity to communicate directly with me, with Chris, with Chris Smith, on Red Sox activity 12 months out of the year, not just the hot stove league, which is just getting going, but also spring training and the regular season. You can text us your questions. You can offer your insight. You can give us your opinion. You can list things, whatever whatever you want in terms of feedback, send it along, and we'll do our best to respond as quickly as possible directly to your laptop, to your tablet, or your mobile phone Right away, all you have to do is text the word JOIN to 617-751-6257, then click on the link and subscribe. It includes a 14-day trial period that is free, and then a very reasonable, if we do say so ourselves, $4.99 monthly charge. A lot of people have signed up over the last few weeks. We appreciate that, or last few days, really, because... um... You know, as I said, the first thing Sean's been doing after walking out of the suite, talking to Craig Breslow, is getting on there and, and sending a very in-depth rundown of everything you talked about and stuff that, you know, frankly, we are, there's kind of more details in some of that sometimes than get on the site because of the way it works. So um, appreciate the subscribers. All right, Sean, day two, Eric Fetty, who was pitching in Korea, former Washington Nationals prospect, off the board, blockbuster to the White Sox. That's seriously the biggest move of the day. So... Uh, as we record this at about 6.15 local, still very, very slow. I said to you a few hours ago, I don't remember a winter meetings where there was less action. I think back to a year ago on the final day, the Wednesday. Red Sox had a crazy day. Kenley Jansen, Masataka Yoshida, and then Xander Bogarts leaves. Um, I don't anticipate we have that tonight or tomorrow. I think a lot waiting on Otani and Yamamoto. We're not sure what's going to make the damn break, but we do have a couple more names that are of interest to the Red Sox at this point. We can confirm they are talking to the representatives of Seth Lugo, right-handed starter who had a very good year with the Padres last year, and also Lucas Giolito, who um, pitched for way more teams than I thought he did last year. As I look at the baseball reference page, I forget that he was, you know... uh, the angels like gave up a lot for him and he pitched there like six horrible starts he's a guy he's a bounce back candidate who the red sox liked even over the summer and identified as a guy who you know they might want to sign uh, this winter so those are two more names in the mix you everybody at home knows about yamamoto montgomery 
some of the trade candidates, all those guys are still on the board. Nothing has changed. And I think these are the names we'd expect the Red Sox to be in on. Uh, just Sean reaction to Lugo and Giolito and the interest there. Yeah. Well, I think neither of those are going to get your average Red Sox fan or even your intensely passionate Red Sox fan all worked up. This does not, uh, in my mind, rise to the level of full throttle, the Tom Warner promise for the off season, but you do need guys from the middle to back end of your rotation. And when you think about some of the guys who got starts last year, uh, some of the auditions they did with four A guys and guys who clearly weren't uh, going to provide major league caliber starts, um, you know, I, I think Lugo and/or Giolito would not be a bad second starter acquisition as long as there is somebody better than those two that also gets added. Um, so. You mentioned Giolito is a good bounce back candidate. I agree on that. Um, you and I heard that he went through a difficult divorce last year and that that may have impacted his on-field performance. Uh, it couldn't have helped to have changed teams twice, as you noted, once from the White Sox to the Angels and then claimed on waivers by the Guardians from the Angels toward the end of the season. So it was almost a lost year for him on and off the field. Not a bad guy in terms of what he's been able to provide from an inning standpoint. And Lugo is a guy who has spent most of his career in the bullpen, but when given an opportunity to start last year for San Diego, pitched very well. Now, that is a good ballpark for pitchers, so maybe that's a little misleading, uh, but an interesting guy that would slot in as, say, somewhere between a three or four, uh, which is fine, again, as long as the Red Sox have designs on getting – a two or better in conjunction with that move. Yeah, totally agree. And I think that, you know, these two names are a little different in that Lugo, I think, gives you a floor um, just because he's a guy that, um, you know, has pitched and, and pitched well in different roles throughout his career, had a good year, an older veteran guy, you know, 34. And I think with Giolito, he gives you that upside. You know, I mean, if you look at 2022 was not great before that, you know, 31 start to 3.53 ERA, pretty good fit. The year before that, in the shortened season, 3.48. In 2019, he was an all star. You know, he gets Cy Young votes in three straight years um, before 2022. And uh, last year in 2023, you get a 3.79 ERA with, you know, a little bit of a bloated fit at 4.43. Before getting traded at the deadline, the White Sox were able to cash out on him at a good time. And then, you know, all the changes, two really, you know, horrible performances with an ERA around seven and both. Anaheim and Cleveland makes it look like you know a worse season than maybe it was before the deadline so I, I think the Red Sox this is a guy they like I think there is the upside there you know Giolito is a guy who has been or feels like he's been around forever because he was a top prospect and he broke into the majors at 21 I mean he is not yet 30 which I guess I'm a little surprised by um yeah you know, he's, I, I think most people would expect that he is older than that yeah so you know there's upside there and I think you know, teams are going to have a lot of interest in him as a bounce-back candidate. The Red Sox are one. As you said, those guys make a lot of sense. They both provide innings. You know, Giolito has done that throughout his career. And according to baseball reference, his middle name is Frost, which is an ironic twist to the winter meetings where nothing's going on. Um, we talked to Alex Cora today for the first time since, I guess, the day they introduced Craig Breslow as the Chiefs baseball officer. Uh, he had the uh, the daily manager thing. I think the most interesting thing he said was that he 
said FaceTime Brian Cashman, or <laughs> FaceTime Aaron Boone. Uh, he's also friends with Cashman. Uh, FaceTime Aaron Boone, and Aaron Boone was smiling and kind of hinted that he thinks the Yankees have something up their sleeve, whether that's Soto or Yamamoto or someone else remains to be seen, but that put Yankees fans into a proverbial tizzy when I put it out on Twitter today. Um, Red Sox-related stuff, there's some individual player things we'll get to, but I just felt like there was a tone change. You know, There's a kind of, kind of an attitude here that they have not had in the last few years based on where they finished. Alex Cora was very clear. Everything we do in spring training, Craig Breslow backed this up and we just talked to him in the suite. Everything we do in spring training has to be competitive from the bowling alley to top golf, which Sean, that's a place I've been trying to get you to go during spring training for two or three years that now. Chance. That chance. Well, there now there's a reporting purpose to it. We can go see Pablo Reyes and Trevor Story duking it out. This is just a thinly veiled attempt for you to be able to monetize and use on your expense report that you had to go to Top Golf for professional reasons. Right. It's it's a nice place. They've won a mass now. And um but Cora said they're gonna be competitive wherever they go. And I think another piece of this, and you wrote about this for the site today, um, they're doing a lot together. There was a big group that went to Fort Myers, Alex Cora went and saw those Guys, guys from kind of different backgrounds, from rookies, younger guys like Rafaela, um, Chris Sale, and, and you know some of these guys down there working out. They seem to have a good group at the complex. There is going to be a big group going to the Dominican, I think, in a couple of weeks uh, that Cora talked about. Trevor Story's having his infield boot camp in Texas. So, like, there's a lot of guys that are getting together and being very serious about the offseason. They've sent a couple trainers over to Japan to see Yoshida. Cora went to the Dominican to see Devers already. These things aren't necessarily like rare, but it seems like there's a focus on like, there's no lapses. We're really going to tie up every loose end. Craig Breslow today, I almost called him Craig Council for some reason. I'm tired of winter meetings, day two already, exhausted, forgetting the name of the chief baseball officer. Breslow today said, accountability, competition, you know, those are the buzzwords that he really wants to focus on. And and I think there's this clear, like, we're really serious about this. We need to make some changes. And uh, that's already started. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think it's time. I, I think it's the right call because, as Cora correctly pointed out, this team has faded badly in the final two months of each of the last two seasons. He noted that they were within a couple of games of a playoff spot at the deadline both times and then wound up way out of contention both times. Um, you know, you could argue that that does not reflect well on the manager himself, that the team doesn't maintain that intensity over the final third of the season. Uh, but wherever the solution is, they had better find it because uh, clearly what they've done the last couple of years in terms of approach hasn't worked. And I should also point out that uh, while I don't see this as a hollow promise on the part of the Red Sox, that a lot was made about working on defense last year in spring training. And, and indeed, the year before. And the year before, but particularly last year. And we saw the added drills and we saw the added focus and we saw them going into JetBlue Park, the big league park at the complex to work there, to take extra ground balls, to do defensive drills. I'm not saying they didn't commit to it, but then we watched a season in which they were almost historically bad defensively and beyond that often showed mental lapses throwing to the wrong base overthrowing the cutoff man forgetting how many outs there were just bad fundamental play 
And uh, so it's a reminder that they can talk the talk about changing their approach and focus in spring training, but ultimately you're judged by the results. And despite the extra effort and time put into working on defense last year, it sure as heck didn't translate during the regular season. Right. And, you know, like they're just trying to do the right things, I guess. And that's there's something to be said for that. How it pans out ultimately, you know, if they win 80 games next year, or win 78 again, no one's going to care that Trevor Story had David Hamilton to Texas. He's from Texas, so I guess probably wasn't that hard to go. But, you know, you know what I mean, to these guys, to these different camps or these different places. But it's clear they're trying to shake things up. They're trying to get serious. They feel like you know, maybe there was a sense of complacency the last few years, uh, whatever it is. Um, they're trying to, you know, get ahead of that now. And, you know, good for them for doing that. A name that surfaced today that um, if you were to ask me of the, I guess, 37, 38 guys on the Red Sox 40-man roster, who would get a vote of confidence from the manager today? I think Bobby Dahlbeck would have been absolutely last on that list, maybe other than Zach Weiss, who was apparently still on there. Uh, no offense to him or the Weiss family. But Bobby Dahlbeck is a guy who has been a trade candidate very, very clearly for the last couple of years. He toiled away at AAA. He had that long conversation with Heim Bloom that was well-documented. Our Chris Smith did a great story on where his head was at toward the end of the year. Just, you know, a guy that's had success in the major leagues, had plenty of struggles in the major leagues, but over the course of now four seasons. Um, yet Alex Cora today said with Justin Turner no longer on the team as of now, door's not closed, but doesn't look like he's coming back. And Tristan Casas getting the lion's share of work at first base. Bobby Dahlbeck would have a real chance to be part of this team. They still like the, you know, the bat, the power, the versatility is now a thing, playing first, third, and the outfield. And asked about a change of scenery, Craig Breslow said, well, maybe that change of scenery for him could be Fenway Park. Obviously, he spent all of last year at Polar Park. This is a guy I have counted out because you look at the numbers, He's not a major leaguer and has not proven that to this point. Still relatively young, apparently not out of chances. And the Red Sox, whether it's to increase trade value, which he's had zero for the last three years um, or two years, whether it's to do that or you know, because they really want to put him on the roster, it was uh, an unprompted response from Alex Cora today and I think a very interesting one. Yeah, and I, I think that's a good point. And I'm trying to figure out the rationale there, whether it was – well, if we tell other teams that we have a specific role in mind and we expect him to make the team out of spring training, that that somehow makes him more attractive to teams that might have been it's on the fence about him. What it ex exactly is, and I know you hate fantasy sports with every fiber of your being, it's when you put a player that you're trying to trade in your starting lineup from your bench so that the other players in the league think you value him more. Okay. I have no idea what you just said, but I'm going to agree with it. Um, but I think Dahlbeck does, um, you know, I, I, I think the problem is, is that everybody else sees what we've seen, that this is a classic 4A guy, that he can hit rockets in Worcester, he can hit trains moving by Polar Park, he can hit moonshots, but he can't do it on a, on a consistent enough basis at the big league level. He has done it in spurts. And whether there's a feeling that, uh, you know, I, I mean, they haven't changed the coaching staff. It's not like Pete Fatsy hasn't worked with him before. It's the same group of guys that have been here the last couple of years. So where this optimism comes from, I don't know. And I'm not trying to diminish or demean Dahlbeck. It's just hard to think, what do they think is going to change? 
I mean, they had so little interest in this guy that he didn't come up in September uh, when they were expanding the roster, but now he's going to make the opening day 26 man. Um, I guess it could happen, but I was a little surprised to hear it. Yeah, for sure. And that was, you know, kind of a, a piece of today that um, I was, I think we were both shocked by, uh, you know, it's a slow news day when you're talking about for the third year in a row, Bobby Dahlbeck trade rumors, but that is the point we're at here in Nashville. Um, he was described to me by the Red Sox the last couple of years as a guy who's not necessarily burning a hole in our pocket. He's a guy that still has upside and we can stash him at AAA. Is it the perfect situation for him? No, but the players hold the rights for a reason. Right. And he does have an option remaining, uh, which enables them to, you know, uh, manipulate him up and back um, and, you know, summon him from Worcester when there's a short term need. So there is still that uh, appeal there where you don't have a player that you're stuck with at the major league level where you have to expose the waivers to be able to send him down. So, um, hey, we'll, we'll see where it goes. But uh, you're correct. I did not wake up today thinking that Bobby Dahlback was going to be a major topic of conversation with the manager and later the uh, president of uh, the chief baseball officer and on this podcast. Well, here we are. We'll get to another guy, Josh Winkowski, for proclamation about him today. Um, your thoughts on that? Yeah, we know that uh, toward the end of the year, he apparently expressed an interest in in, in giving starting pitching another chance. Uh, he filled that role in 21, not particularly well, uh, and then really took a step forward and had kind of a breakout year as a reliever last year. Uh, the velocity ticked up. He was more effective. He had better control. Uh, and now there's talk like, well, having fixed some issues and shown improvement, maybe they want to give the rotation one more look. So uh, we're we're running, you know, the, the the oddity here is that while the Red Sox have not done anything to acquire a starting pitcher from outside the organization, either via trade or free agency, there seem to be more and more candidates for the rotation with every day we spend here, where they're still talking about having, uh, what was the phrase, starter upside yesterday on Tanner Houck, on Garrett Whitlock, on Cutter Crawford. You got those three. You've got Nick Bavetta. You've got Winkowski. And that's before you get to guys like Sale and Bayo and maybe Pavetta, who might be now part of that rotation, and then whatever else they acquire. So they're giving themselves a lot of options on the staff. And that's important because you cannot get through a major league season with a half dozen or even seven or eight starters. You need probably closer to 12. And they have lots of depth. That much is obvious. What they don't have is quality at the top. And that's what Breslow has to address both in the next few days and the next few weeks and months. And I think that is, as we've talked about now ad nauseum, the focus. But when Kowski joins that group, Pavetta, Crawford, Hauk, Whitlock, of guys who could do either thing, um, that's a good place to be in in terms of the depth. But again, those guys fit in better as, you know, your seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, probably, than your three, four, five, six, seven. And that's, you know, I'm not sure if the math is there correctly. Again, been a long day, a couple hours of sleep, but um that's where they are. Any other takeaways today? I mean, I think for me, a little newsy that Breslow said if they're going to add a second baseman, it'll probably come via trade. That to me seems to rule out 
Whit Merrifield as a prime target. And that's really the only guy identified as a real fit there. Anything else come from either of those guys that you thought was particularly newsworthy? No, I, I, but I, I was a little surprised. We know that uh, Breslow has been very cautious about telegraphing any moves, uh, speak sort of generically about a lot of specific items. But the fact that he kind of pulled the Dave Dombrowski there and predicted uh, that if they do well, get a baseman, it would more likely be through trade through than free agency. That was a favorite tactic of Dave Dombrowski, who was not shy about putting his cards on the table at the start of every offseason and then following through. But yeah, that that caught my eye and ear too, that he was saying it was more likely that they would upgrade through a trade. They also He was also asked about the catching spot. Uh, we know that Martin Maldonado's name has come up um, in association with the Red Sox as a free agent potential. We know that he is revered by Alex Cora and some pitchers on the Houston Astros staff. Um, he is uh, really nothing of an offensive performer at all. He is your classic, uh, you know, all glove, no bat guy, but he's good at framing, at handling a staff, at calling a game. And maybe that's uh, an upgrade over Reese McGuire as the number two. Um, it would be a short-term thing. We know that Kyle Teal is the catcher of the future, and that future may be as soon as 2025, so they're not going to get into any long-term commitments, nor should they for a guy who struggles to hit 200, but uh, a name to keep an eye on as uh, some competition for the backup spot. I think we'll wrap there. Again, not much to talk about today and day two from the winter meetings, but that's what we're paid to do, so we did it. Tomorrow's the last full day here. Uh, some different events going on. The managers have a breakfast with the beat writers in the morning, uh, all off the record, so we can never tell you what's said there. We can never tell you if Cora's a scrambled eggs guy or, you know, more of a um, pancake waffle type. So we're never going to be able to get into that. There is the Rule 5 draft tomorrow, which can be an interesting day, but uh, you have to be a real baseball lover to do that. And you also have to love the game as I try to find another segue to get there to subscribe to our Red Sox Insider Tech Show. Yes, we have talked about it, and um, it's a great time to join because there's stuff going on, and there's going to be stuff going on throughout the rest of the winter. Uh, it is a free 14-day trial followed by a $4.99 charge per month, and for that princely sum, you get to communicate directly with me, with Chris Cotilla, with Chris Smith. We will answer to your phone, to your tablet, to your laptop, and all you have to do is text the word JOIN, to 617-751-6257. Come on in. The water's fine. You're going to enjoy it. This hotel actually has a lot of water. It does not look particularly fine, but the insider text thing, still good. That's our day two winter meetings wrap-up on the Fenway Rundown. Back for more tomorrow. This has been the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live.